Good morning, everyone. Friends, uh, as we approach Christ the King, the solemnity of Christ the King, uh, that is uh, coming up in about two weeks, um, which marks the end of our liturgical cycle. We'll begin a new one. We're in C, so we'll move into A. As we do, the readings selected uh, for Sundays are what they call end-time readings, and they have a particular note about them for character. Um, not my words, but someone else said, oh, they have a darker character, and I'm like, well... Remember, the end times marks Jesus is coming back. So I guess you can look at the scriptures, you know, by that old adage, uh, do you see the glass half empty or half full? Uh, the readings are actually wonderful. <clears throat> they mark the time that Jesus comes back. There is a, um, a note about the gospel. Our Lord's uh, main teaching, and I'll get into this more deeply, uh, is not about marriage, although there's a comment made about marriage. Um, his focus is on the afterlife, that there is heaven, and what that will be like. And uh, what Jesus says about marriage is said in this context, and said to illustrate his teaching about the reality of the resurrection and heaven. And uh, oh, what he says is true, uh, but this is the importance of context. Go back and see what did he say, and what was the context in which he said it. So my friends, here we have the situation, the Sadducees, started this conversation with Jesus, and it was sarcastic and done in, as a joke uh, because they did not believe in the afterlife as the gospel tells us. Uh, the Sadducees believed there was no such thing as the resurrection of the body. Uh, first, because they could not find it explicitly in the first five books of the Torah or uh, the laws of Moses. Uh, but uh, remember, the Sadducees, they rejected um, the wisdom literature that we know, so they would call it the Pentateuch. Uh, we do too, but um, of the Old Testament, they did not accept uh, the wisdom literatures. They did not like the historical writings, and they refuted the prophetic books. They only accepted the first five books known as the Torah. Within there, they say there's nothing about the afterlife, but Jesus is going to show them that's not true. Sadducees, they wondered, even whimsically, where will all these people go? How will they be fed? Who will feed them? And then there are so many complicated relationships, such as the one they proposed, like the woman who married seven brothers in succession, and each died. My friends, for us, this seems like a very odd, well, what they're doing is being silly anyway, but uh, in their time, there was what they knew as the Liberate Law, found in Deuteronomy 25.5. comes from the word levir, meaning brother-in-law. And this law was in place so that uh, the name of the man would carry on. Uh, so um, even though it seems odd and appalling to us that a brother-in-law would have to take the woman, um, this was the time. So they ask, uh, um, they propose it in the most absurd way. Seven brothers and each one die like within months of marrying the woman. So whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Jesus uses their, sac their sarcasm and this question to give them and us a very important teaching about our soul, about our life, and about our future. First, about our soul. Jesus says there is an eternal life because uh, even Moses, which the Sadducees refuted, spoke about it, described it. Uh, he just, um, 
Moses, uh, God describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Meaning, he didn't say, I was the God of Abraham. He says, I am the God of Abraham. That means Abraham is very much alive and present. It is a technical argument that Jesus is using, but it is one the Sadducees could kind of grasp with because now he points out where it's at that they seem to overlook so that they could say, oh, 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 okay, but they didn't. Like those patriarchs, my friends, uh, we too are called into being by God. God called each of those into being, and he called each of us into being. And what is true of them is true of us. My friends, we are more than just our physical bodies. There is more to us than genetic codes. There are more to us than our emotions. And there are more to us than our achievements in this world. We are all shaped by such things. But we are more than all of them together. What binds them all together and makes um, them one is that part of us that does not deteriorate. The spiritual part, that center, we call the soul. Take away the soul from the body, and it is just a corpse. Put in the soul, and the body becomes a person. We all have a soul. The second truth the Lord teaches is about life here on earth. Jesus says, all are alive for God. So my friends, knowing that God has called each one of us into existence, there are no accidents. However, a person is conceived, and we always hope that they are done in deep, deep love. But even, as the world puts it, if someone is unplanned, or even if someone would say tragically, my parents did not want me, I'm a mistake. There are no mistakes with God. God wanted us. We are called into being by God through our parents. We are alive for God, and thus we have a place in God's plan. Each year is not only here for a season, we are here for a reason. Patrick's reason for being here is to be a husband and a father of ten children one day. <laughs> and to be PA here at St. Nicholas for a bit. The third truth is about the destiny and union with God in everlasting life. The Lord says, the children of this age marry, but those in heaven do not. They become like angels and are no longer liable to death. In one way, Jesus is saying, meaning eternal life is a mystery. You will not be able to understand it completely here. Now, my friends, uh, while we are on the earth, Psalm 8 talks about God making us little less than the angels. In English, it says uh, little less than gods. But in the Greek, the meaning is angel. But then here we see Jesus say, but after death, you become like the angels, meaning you will not die. So when we die, we do not become angels. Angels are different from us. But we will share something that they share, eternal life. My friends, then, there is always this danger when we are trying to speak about heaven and what it will be like. And uh, 
Scripture has broad strokes about it, and um, if we try to become too detailed or too explicit, it just kind of just gets away from us. People can imagine heaven in such ways that it makes it look like a comedy uh, or makes it sometimes boring um, or that it is populated by angels and cherubims with harps and they're on clouds and they eat, remember the commercial? The bagels with cream cheese or drink Red Bull. People can have all sorts of different pictures of what heaven is. But Jesus tells us it is unimaginable. We can't begin to imagine it. One person's picture or envision of heaven can be another person's nightmare. There's a story that was shared, and I'm sharing with you, was given, of a man who died. And the priest tried to console his wife, the widow. And he told her, don't worry. I know your husband. He is in heaven. He is surrounded by choirs of angels and cherubims and hundreds and hundreds of saints. At that point, she became almost hysterical, crying. And he said, my dear, what is wrong? Oh, no, Father. My husband hated crowds. <laughs> See? Us. Jesus teaches that eternal life is not just some exaggerated version of life here on earth as if heaven will have eternal family dramas, eternal traffic jams, endless irritating political campaigns and commercials, even worse, an eternity of infomercials, of nonsense. Jesus teaches that it will be an existence so transformed that we can't even begin to imagine. Here on earth, we are limited and often frustrated by such things. When the limitations of this life are removed and when we are finally cleansed and healed, then our soul will be filled with Christ's life, with Christ's peace, as he promised, and with Christ's glory that he promised to share with us. There will be no more wanting of anything, no more yearning for anything, and no more searching for anything. We will be with God surrounded by such great love and such great light and such great peace that we will be filled. This sarcastic question that was proposed by the Sadducee triggered three important teachings from Jesus, not only to them, but then to us. Teaching about the immortality of the soul, of life's purpose, really, and our eternal destiny with the Father. St. Paul said, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has ready for those who love him. However, the opposite can be true also. If we have rejected the Lord and separated ourselves from God, that too will become eternal. The teaching to each of us is to broaden our understandings and perspectives, to open our minds and our hearts, to our Lord, and keep large our hope for the future, because at human death, we do not cease to exist. There is so much more waiting for us. And if we are faithful and faith-filled, it will be ours, not just for a few years, but for all eternity. Now, my friends, 
I know some great thinkers think, well, okay, this way that Jesus argued about this to them, it was known as the rabbinical argument, and maybe it worked for their time, but it doesn't work for our time uh, because we're so accustomed to having evidence of the scientific nature. So let us remember in the scriptures from the Acts of the Apostles, we are told that Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to his apostles. He appeared to the three Marys. Do you know the name of the Marys? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene. Who is the third one? Mary. Deacon, do you remember the third Mary? Mary Cleopolis' wife. And he appeared to 500 other people. We have the testimony of the apostles, the Marys, and 500 others close to the disciples that Jesus, in fact, rose from the dead. And the word that he shared with them and with us is that we shall also share in a similar resurrection if we remain true to him. Let us give God thanks then for the assurance of eternal life with him and ask him for the grace to live our lives now in gratitude and worthy of such a great calling. Bow your heads for a blessing. May God, who enkindled in your hearts the hope of eternal life, guard this hope in all things with his grace, and through his Son, Jesus Christ, bring it to fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. Amen.